This is Plausibly Live, the official podcast of the Dave Bowman Show. It should not happen this way, but occasionally it does. What do I mean? The other day I was watching some history TV while I was at the gym, and a thought occurred to me that I should have known, but for some reason I had just never really contemplated the deeper meaning of that thought. By 1942, the most evil Nazi in the world, not named Hitler, was at the peak of his power. He was the man who literally decided everything when it came to the security of the Reich. It was not Heinrich Himmler, was a man that many people have actually not actually heard of. A guy by the name of Reinhard Heydrich. And Heydrich was, in many ways, the most evil Nazi. He certainly was the most evil Nazi not named Hitler. He was, many people feel, likely to become Hitler's eventual successor. He was the one person in the, in the entire Third Reich who really saw things and thought about things the way that Adolf Hitler did. And for all his evil, and for all the things that we're going to talk about that he did, he was never charged with a single crime at the end of the war. There's a reason for that. The thought that occurred to me, though, as I was watching this TV show, was that for every Reinhard Heydrich, for every one in all of history of evil people like that, there were millions of people upon millions who not only believed exactly as he did, but who then went out and did exactly what he told them to do. You understand the meaning of that? Reinhard Heydrich was the head of the Gestapo. He didn't found the Gestapo. Uh, Goering did, but but Reinhard Heydrich eventually became the chairman of the Gestapo. On the night of the Long Knives, he was the guy that, that really carried out the destruction of Ernst Röhm and his SA. He was the person who really pushed for and executed the so-called Night and Fog Decrees. These were horrifying. These were the, the legal use of the police power of the state to simply disappear people in the night and the fog, and they were never heard from again. And to this day, we don't know what happened to most of them. He was responsible, Heydrich was, for the Polish ethnic cleansing. He was the person that came up with that idea. He was the Reichsmarschall, Reichschancellor for Bohemia and Moravia. In all of that, though, it was an hour and a half meeting in January of 1942 at the Vanassa mansion in just outside of Berlin, which I don't know that there are words to even express the evil of that lunch. Imagine 20, 30 Nazis sitting around a table eating ham and pineapple and delicious food and drink and wine and 
talking about how they were going to actually carry out the details, the actual mechanisms of the so-called final solution. But for all of that, and by the way, if you haven't seen the movie Conspiracy, I highly recommend it. It's, it, it's an amazing film. But for all of that, you understand that Reinhard Heydrich could not have done the things that he did alone. In fact, he was surrounded by and commanded millions upon millions of Myrmidons, people who simply followed his instructions without any thought whatsoever, without any consideration of what they were doing, without anything other than, here is what I've been told, here is what I'm going to do. And if you challenged them on the logic of it, if you challenged them on the morality of it, you were the enemy. And you were told to either shut up or you would disappear in the night and the fog. The idea of the Myrmidon of evil is one that, it's not new to me. I, I, don't, I don't really know why it hit me so hard the other day at the gym when I was thinking about this, because it, it just, it was like a weight. It was like a brick had been dumped on my back, a pile of bricks, because all of a sudden I realized I was beginning to contemplate this idea that it doesn't matter how evil one person is, unless people are willing to follow him, or that evil probably doesn't achieve what it's trying to achieve. You follow what I'm saying here? And so when we see people who are evil, the people that I'm actually starting to look at are the Myrmidons who follow them. Because those are the people who are actually going to carry out the crime, the evil, the destruction that that leader that influencer, that whatever, wants to have happen. There are myrmidons of evil everywhere you look. This past week, we have had much news about a luncheon, which, uh, in the context of the Vanassa conference, kind of, kind of stings a little bit. We've had this information about a luncheon between former President Trump, Kanye West, who goes by Yee now. Is it Yee or Yeah? I don't know. Nick Fuentes and Milo Yepanopoulos, or whatever his name is. Now, in the aftermath of this lunch, Mr. Trump has claimed that he had no idea who Nick Fuentes especially was, or is, as the case may be. I'm skeptical of that claim. Uh, I'm skeptical, skeptical of that claim for a couple reasons. Number one, let's say for sake of argument that he actually didn't know who Nick Fuentes was. No idea. Nobody on his staff had any clue when they set this lunch up because you know, Donald Trump, I doubt, sat down at the phone with, with Kanye West, Yee, and said, hey, come on over for lunch, bring a couple of friends. I doubt that's how it happened. That's not how these things are worked out. Somebody on his staff knew exactly who and what Nick Fuentes is. The Secret Service, who still guards the president, as we learned during the Mar-a-Lago raids, um, certainly know who Nick Fuentes was. And they certainly 
should have had something to say about it. His advisors, not just his staff, not the people he pays to work for him, but his advisors should have known who these people actually were. And of course, if you've been following the news, you know that Kanye West, Yee, is in all kinds of hot water because of something that he tweeted that was vehemently anti-Semitic, which I, I don't like that term. Anti-Semitic is the wrong term. Anti-Semitic seems to be a, a broader term. It was Jew hatred is what it was. He hates Jews. And he made that clear. And for that, he lost his shoe contract, as Dave Chappelle pointed out on Saturday Night Live, um, which was actually a pretty funny bit. But the, the point is that Kanye West is a known commodity. I'm going to say some things, and these are my opinion. You can take them or leave them. I don't really give a shit. I really don't. Kanye West, ye, is a buffoon. And more importantly, he is an attention whore. And you know what I say about attention whores. Say it with me. Attention whore, gonna attention whore. It's what they do. And Kanye West is no, no exception to that rule. I mean, his entire life has been attention whoring. So why are we surprised by Kanye West doing anything, saying anything, acting any particular way? There's no reason to be surprised by any of it. You know he is. You, you know what he is. Milo, the same thing. He's an attention whore. Um, just because we happen to agree with some of the things that he says doesn't make him any less of an attention whore. Nick Fuentes, on the other hand, is a different and much colder fish. He, to me, is one of the Myrmidons who would have not just willingly but eagerly carried out Reinhard Heydrich's orders. That's not my opinion. That's pretty much what the man has said on his own volition. Nobody put a gun to his head and said, tell me your true beliefs. He will walk in front of any camera he can find and tell you who he hates, Jews, that the Holocaust didn't happen, that he has his beliefs. There's always fallout, though, to evil. Eighty years after Heydrich died, that's, by the way, why he was never charged with a war crime, because he was killed. The British trained a couple of Czech special operatives, parachuted them in, and they, they attacked Heydrich because Heydrich was not very smart. And they hit him with a grenade that caused some internal injuries that led to sepsis that led to him dying a few days later. But even 80 years after he died, his evil is still present. It's still there. It's still palpable. It's still in the news today. It's still active right now in Qatar, where they're having the World Cup. Israeli journalists are being discriminated against told that they cannot do interviews, told that they will not be talked to because, quote, Israel doesn't exist. It's only Palestine. We don't talk to Jews. Eighty years after Reinhard Heydrich died, after Adolf Hitler died, after Heinrich Himmler died, their evil is still present. But I have to contrast that with this concept that I believe in fervently, this idea of Free speech. 
I'm not just a free speech advocate. I'm a free speech radical. I've said this and I will continue to say it. I don't believe that there's any speech that should be banned. Sorry, I just don't believe that. I know that some speech offends you. I know that some speech can be twisted. I know that some speech, um, I'm being told, is, is Satan worship. Listen to a guy explain that to me this morning, that, that a joke in a TV show is Satan worship. The danger of free speech is that ideas are always dangerous. Even the good ideas are potentially dangerous. Religion, organized religion, was a great idea. I mean, who would, who would argue with that? But if you look at the damage that's been done to humanity throughout our history by the quote-unquote true believers of any religion, I don't care which one it is, you have to ask the question, who was doing the evil work? Who was doing the wet work? Was it the, the leaders of those particular religious movements, or was it their myrmidons, those willing to follow without any understanding of things? Free speech means you have to understand why you believe what you say you believe. You can't just say, well, I believe this. you got to know why. That's what free speech is about. Freedom of speech is unnecessary if the people to whom it's granted do not think for themselves. Those aren't my words. Those are the words of an author who I politically disagree with, but he's right. Freedom of speech is unnecessary if you will not think for yourself. And as long as you do not think for yourself, as long as you simply accept what is being said by the evil, or by the good for that matter, you will do anything you're told to do. I believe that wholeheartedly. I believe that because I used to be a pastor, and I served in congregations where people would tell me things that I knew were absurd. I had a woman one time told me that the African-American race is cursed by God because they bear the mark of Cain. I had a woman tell me that. This, was, this wasn't 1865. It wasn't even 1964. This was 1996. You understand what I'm saying? If you don't know why you believe what you believe, you will believe any foolish thing that is said. And that's the problem. It's one of the reasons why I appreciate Chabad so much is because it is intellectual Judaism. It's Judaism that thinks about why we do things the way we do them. It's it's very, very insistent on that. Maybe you disagree with that. But let me ask you a question. Do you believe in free speech or not? That's really the fundamental question. Do you believe in freedom to say what you think and do, think about anything or not? That doesn't mean what you think is right or what I think is right. What it means is, do you believe in my right to say it? Do you believe, as Evelyn Beatrice Hall once said, I disapprove of what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it, or not? What scares me right now is the people who are saying they don't believe that, I will defend to, your right, to the death your right to say it, are primarily on the political right. I'm hearing talk show hosts, conservative chat show hosts. I'm seeing conservative bloggers who are explaining to me, no, I will not defend to the death your right to say something that I don't like. Because it's wrong. It's frightening to me. Do we believe in free speech or not? Do we accept that or not? 
I don't like Nick Fuentes. I think Nick Fuentes is a neo-Nazi buffoon. He is the ideological heir of the people who did what Heydrich told them to do, and Himmler and Hitler. But he has a right to say it. may not agree with you, as Oscar Wilde said, but I, I will defend to death your right to make an ass of yourself. And at the end of the day, the way you win an argument is not by silencing someone else, not by simply telling them that they have to shut up, not by simply telling them that they're censored or canceled. I don't believe Donald Trump didn't know who Nick Fuentes was, is. I don't believe that he didn't know that. But be that as it may, you know, does it mean he shouldn't listen to his ideas? Does it mean that if Nick Fuentes called me and said, hey, Dave, I'd like to sit down and have a chat with you, that I wouldn't talk to him? I, I would. But the way you defeat Yi or Fuentes or any political leader is very simple. You debate with a better argument, not by force, not by silencing. You have a better argument, and you better make damn sure that you understand your argument, or if you don't, you got to be cautious about following anybody, even me. Don't, don't listen to me if you don't understand why I position myself the way I do. Because if we do not start doing this, and we start forcing people with whom we disagree to shut up, no matter how stupid or asinine or flat-out neo-Nazi evil they are. You can't kill an idea, folks. And all you do is make them a martyr. And that's a lesson we should have learned a long time ago. Have a better argument. Have a better debate. Have a better position. Because that's the only way you win in the arena of idea. And if we don't learn that idea, well... Lessons learned in life will be repeated over and over again until we do learn them. And we need to learn quick because the likes of Nick Fuentes and his neo-Nazi Jew-hating crowd aren't going away. And your argument has to be better than shut up. Shut up.